everyone. I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com. Welcome to PNC's Talking Tobacco Live. And you notice today I have a guest, but actually he's less of a guest than more of a co-host. And his name is Kane. He handles the emails uh, for PNC. So that also gives us stuff we can talk about down the road. Um, but what we're going to do is about once a month, uh, Kane's going to join me and he's going to look at it more from the perspective of somebody with a background in pipes, but more, more of of a, uh, an intermediate pipe smoker because he concentrated on cigars for so long. And so now that he's into both, uh, he's obviously a great fit for PNC, and we're glad to have him aboard. How you doing, Kane? Hey, it's great to be here. You know, I'm doing quite well, and I'm uh, glad to get back in touch with some pipe smoking. Yeah, um, uh, Kane uh, has a has a slightly different um, work setup because. He is mostly remote, mm-hmm. and um, after talking, we thought this could be a really great idea once a month to bring him in, um, because I actually work better in a setup like this than I do when things are even loosely scripted. So I'm really looking forward to that. Now here's the tricky part because we have to go over what's happening on PNC, and I got to make sure that everybody and everything can be seen. So I'm going to click a button here, and, and we're going to see if it works. Um, okay. Now, hold on. Oh, that's not what I want. There we go. And then it should shift once I open the tab. There we go. My God, it worked first time. Okay, so uh, folks, here's what's happening on PNC. Um, first thing is um, the Seven Oceana is our pipe of the week um you purchase either the sandblast or or the rusticated or the uh smooth and for five dollars you can get the decatur ream wall which is the four uh head reaming tool uh very highly rated by our customers uh, and very easy to use. So if you're looking for a reamer uh, and a new pipe, here's a, a great opportunity to take advantage. Next up, Captain Black, all pouches and cans, 20% off. Uh, there's plenty of you Captain Black fans out there. So there's a lot of people who are going to be interested in this. It is the uh, Customer Appreciation Week flash sale with up to 76% off over 50 items or cigars, pipes, pipe tobacco, 
uh, ashtrays, accessories of all sort. Um, you know, they, these uh, these sales are great, but they don't last very long. So you're definitely going to want to take a look at this uh, if you really want to enjoy the uh, the value of our flash sale and our customer appreciation week. We have a limited quantity of uh, Cornell and Deals small batch Sunbear Tupelo. Um, it's a Virginia Oriental mixture. It is flavored with silver tequila elderflower and some Tupelo honey from um, northeastern Florida. Or actually southern Georgia, I think. But that area and uh, very unique uh, they, it comes out uh, once a year uh, but each year they use a different varietal uh, honey so very interesting and finally my s'mores blend kit is out there folks if you're looking for a, an aromatic um, we send you what you need to make up a half a pound of tobacco that has notes of chocolate um, honey and uh, kind of a graham cracker note uh, along with a little bit of toasted marshmallow. So uh, this has been in the works for a while, but finally everything came together and it's available. So take a look at the new blend kit. And then this week's tobacco of the week is John Cotton's Double Press Glasgow. Uh, this is the first um, Scottish-style aromatic that we've had on, uh, and uh, it's got a very nice woody note with a little bit of spice, and uh, there are notes of honey and uh, a, a bit of uh, what I believe is uh, a Scotch whiskey. So... Uh, it's on sale this week. Take advantage of that. And August monthly deal is on McMarin. You buy any tin, whether it's classic H and uh, the HH series uh, or seven C's, and you can get a Rockwell binge pipe tool for only a buck. It's a thirty dollar value. Nice compact pipe tool with everything that you need. Um, so. Buy 10 tins, get 10 tools uh, for a buck each. Pretty good deal. And then um, finally, my cigar clippings. Um, some people have uh, asked me often why cigars have a cone-shaped end when you smoke. Uh, and the reason is for consistent burn, what they do is they take the slowest burning tobaccos and they put them in the center of the bunch while they're making them. So um, that that cone shape uh, holds the ash better. I mean, there, there aren't a huge number of advantages, but the primary thing is keeping the burn even. And um, in a stronger cigar, that the centered tobacco uh, may be Lajero. Um, and they, they may not use any Lajero in a milder cigar, but, um, uh, 
but they usually take those thicker leaves and put them in the center. And that's why you get a cone shape. And so um, that, as they say, is that for what's happening on PNC. And before we uh, jump into our segment, let's take a look at comments. So we have David and Buck, Sean and Scott, Selma, uh, all saying hi. Um, and, uh, and David saying hi to you as well, Kane. Uh, Dale's on, so is Sean. Great. Um, so, so the the idea here is, um, since I've been smoking a pipe for fifty seven years now, uh, it's not a big deal for for me to uh, to look at things in the pipe, just because I've got a lot of background. Um, Kane's background, as I said, is more in cigars, and, and he's getting into pipes. So here's a great chance for people who are not necessarily raw beginners, but people who are, are developing uh, in the hobby um, to have somebody with a different perspective. So what's going on, Kane? Hey, it's great to be on here, Russ. Um, you know, obviously, I've had quite a few questions already that you and I have talked about. But, you know, for me, some of the things that kind of tripped me up when, especially after purchasing uh, quite a number of uh, some new pipes, are things kind of like, you know, uh, breaking in a pipe and kind of getting used to doing that. And, you know, I've noticed some differences uh, online, different opinions on like whether to do a half bowl, a half bowl, a full bowl. And uh, that's kind of like one of the things I especially, you know, wanted to question you about. Sure. Do you have any thoughts? Sure. Um, the, the technical term for um, the, the method, the break-in method of starting with a half a bowl and then gradually building to a full bowl is, again, using a, a technical term, is crap. Mm -hmm. um, it's not necessary, uh, and, and here's the reason why. The theory behind it is that if you start with a half a bowl, you smoke it all the way to the bottom, and then you gradually increase the amount of tobacco uh, again, with the idea of smoking all the way to the bottom uh, so that you can build up a protective carbon layer inside the chamber of the pipe. This only holds true for briars. And we're, you don't want to build up a cake in a, a meerschaum. Um, and you can build up a cake in a, uh, a corn cob, but you've got to smoke really slow to do it. So um, the method that I recommend for breaking in a pipe is, first off, don't use any real full aromatics. And the reason is um, they add so much to the tobacco that when you build up a cake from that, the cake tends to be very soft. And you don't want a soft cake because when you go to ream it later on, it'll crumble. 
So um, pack the way you would normally pack. And the only thing you really need to do for the first dozen bowls or so is to make sure to smoke especially slowly because that's when the wood, wood is most vulnerable. So if you take it nice and slow for the first dozen or so bowls, you'll build up that, that small, thin, protective layer. And after that point, you can, you can smoke normally. But keep the temperature down for that first dozen bowls. The reason that you don't need to smoke to the bottom of the bowl is simple. Um, the bottom of the bowl is almost always gloppy and wet. And so if that's the case, you really can't smoke that last little bit. So having a carbon layer in the very bottom of the chamber really isn't going to accomplish very much. Beside that, the fluid pools down there, so the wood in that area is going to resist some heat anyway because the wood's moist. So um, that's the, the reason uh, behind the, the old theory but in truth, the best thing to do is just smoke slow. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Cool. Um, you know, something that I guess also has been a bit of a challenge for me, especially getting you know back into it now, was just kind of you know small things like okay, I've got the the bowl packed and I'm I'm smoking it, but keeping it lit can be quite the challenge. And sometimes I think, you know, am I using the wrong tobaccos? Should there be something, you know, should I use something else uh, to help keep it lit more? And, uh, you know, I just wondering what your thoughts on that were as well. Sure. Um, this, this may sound a little uh, odd coming from somebody who's blended a lot of tobaccos. Uh, I think most tobaccos on the market today are too moist. That's number one. Um, most standard tobaccos, and, and yes, I smoke everybody's tobacco. I don't just smoke my own blends. Um, but if I, if I feel too much moisture, I'm going to leave it out to dry before I pack a bowl. So that, that's going to help. Uh, you need to get uh, get the the moisture level down a little bit to keep it lit. But there's another. This is another myth, and and that is, and it's kind of a myth by implication. Is that um, you know it's a bad thing to relight your pipe? No, it's not. It's not like a cigar. When you relight a cigar, it's problematic. Um, if you don't do it the right way, uh, especially uh, with a milder cigar, uh, it tends to throw the flavor way off. Uh, when it comes to pipes, you don't have that issue. Uh, so uh, to keep it lit, dry your tobacco down. And if you need to relight, you need to relight. It, it's not a big deal. I would rather have people, if the pipe's getting hot, let the pipe go out 
give it a little tamp, relight, uh, just to keep the temperature down to, to protect the pipe, but also your tongue. Uh, because it, it, it's when the tobacco is too moist, especially, it gets incredibly hot because you're producing steam. And steam's going to burn you worse than hot smoke. You know, if uh, I've used the example, if you push uh, 400 degree uh, steam, which is very hot steam, uh, through a tube and you also push smoke that goes into the tube at 400 degrees and you put your hands up in front of both tubes the one that's going to get burned fast is the one with the steam so <clears throat> keeping the moisture content down uh, to me is vital uh, if you want to keep it uh, nice and cool. And they'll um, put in uh, what might be a mystery uh, acronym for you, but uh, DGT. Uh, DGT is it's delayed gratification technique. And so uh, the idea behind this is one way to get a, um, a bowl to burn better and more consistently is to pack the pipe uh, well in advance of smoking. A lot of people will pack a bowl uh, the night before and let it sit overnight. And this allows the tobacco at the top to dry down a little bit. The pipe will absorb a little bit of the moisture and when it stays packed like that, it tends to light more easily and more evenly. So the delayed gratification technique is, uh, is certainly one way to also help uh, avoid relights. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good because well, before I got a soft flame uh, butane lighter, I was using matches. And, you know, that proved quite difficult uh, to get it just the right spot and get it in there enough you know that was when i was uh trying to break in my uh samo here uh ah. here, yeah um and i was trying to break it in and i'm like you know keep using matches and i found myself go through almost an you know entire little box of 20 matches um but you know now that i got the soft flame butane lighter i'm excited to kind of give that more of a shot um for breaking in some of the other pipes that i have yeah um it's definitely easier with a butane. And, you know, in the conditions like you're in right now, um, there's certainly nothing wrong with the Zippo pipe lighters, too. Yeah. Uh, the only difference between a Zippo and a Zippo pipe lighter is that uh, it has a chimney that has a hole on each side rather than that perforated little right. fence. And, uh, and so you tip the lighter sideways, hold it over the bowl, and then you draw the flame down inside. Some people complain about the taste of the fuel. If you're using their newest fuel, uh, it really doesn't have much of an odor or a flavor to it because okay. they, they use paraffin to make their new fuel. If you buy the old fuel, 
that has the red flame on the on the can, or if you buy Ronsonol, those are made with naphthalene and they definitely have a distinct odor and flavor. Sure. But okay. um, but Zippos are great for outdoors. So uh, let's see. Uh, Scott says he loves his Zippo pipe lighter. Sean thinks uh, DGT is a good idea and a reason to use multiple pipes. I agree. David uses DGT with several of his blends, including a few, where he'll light the bowl and get a good char going and then let it go dead cold and light later on. And, and that works also very well uh, because when you toast the top, obviously you're drying out the tobacco at the top. And yeah. so when you relight it, uh, it, it's going to stay lit more easily. That's a good point, David. Um, so, okay. So let's uh, move on to whatever else you have. Yeah. Um, that sounds – I like the idea of, you know, packing a, a few bowls, um, you know, the night before. Because coming from the cigar world where humidity is everything. You know, you know, when I was helping manage the cigar lounge, everything was always constantly making sure that the cigars are humid, that there's still a nice, you know, softness to them. And you're always afraid of, you know, if you had a, an event going on, pulling the cigars out of the humidor for too long, are they going to get too dry? Um, you know, maybe only have a couple hours to do so. So it was always kind of tough. So to go to this kind of different world where it's okay to let the tobacco get a little dry. You know, it's it's quite a quite a jump, you know. Yeah, I, I've gotten a number of comments over the years. Um, and when I see them, I try to address them that um, hearth and home tobaccos tend to be what some people consider too dry. Uh, it, they're made to my specs. And so I, uh, my tobaccos are going to tend to be drier for two reasons. Um, by removing smoke, you get, or by removing steam, you get a more concentrated smoke. So you get more flavor from a drier tobacco. <clears throat> and then um, on top of that, yeah, why, why are people paying for water? because this all started back in the 50s when tobaccos would dry out because of packaging. And then um, they came out with the foil pouches that were sealed at the top and you could roll them up tight later on. So they were pitching moist tobacco as being fresher. Well, we know it's not fresh. That that tobacco, before it gets manufactured into pipe tobacco, has been sitting around for at least two years. Uh, you wouldn't want to smoke fresh tobacco. It, it would taste terrible and be bitter. And uh, so after it's cured and processed and everything else, you know, that that's a whole different story. And if they add um, flavorings, <clears throat> they tend to mix the flavorings with humectants uh, to help keep the tobacco moist under less than ideal conditions. But a lot of people don't like that stuff 
they don't like those additives, and uh, so we don't use them in Hearth and Home. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, Sean says kind of like in reverse with pipes versus cigars, kind of. Um, and and uh, Dale says Samuel Goth needs a, a lesson lesson in moisture. I'll give them a little bit of a break because they're manufactured in England. It takes a while before they ever get over here to the U.S. And then they have to get shipped from the distributor to us and us to you. So being a little more moist with the idea that the tobacco may lose some moisture uh, not a terrible thing, but you're right. They, they do tend to be moist. David says the lower moisture also helps control, uh, reduce the mold risk. That's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and Sean says if he runs into two driver tobacco and it won't pack and just sponges up and, and out. So gotta be a good middle ground. Um, yeah, that's especially true with larger cuts and burley because burley is a thicker leaf. When you press it down, it tends to decompress. So um, it, there you've got to have enough moisture uh, just to keep the tobacco from fluffing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, in form of, you know, let's talk about like the situation where uh, Sean brings up, you know, where the tobacco becomes too dry. You know, I, I've heard in the cigar world, uh, the talk of if you have a uh, cigar that dries out, what you can do is you can surround it by cigars that still have, have their packed, you know, moisture in them and they're still nice and humid. And eventually that other dry cigar will absorb it and kind of rehumidify. Is there a similar situation with pipe tobacco in that regard? Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you if you only smoke one or two blends and you have unopened packages, you could open up a new package and mix the old with the new, and then mm -hmm. that'll certainly <clears throat> that'll certainly work fine. the The typical method with pipe tobacco is different than it is with cigars. Cigars tend to ha have a higher moisture content. And so keeping that, that humidity level in, let's say, the 67 to 72% uh, range is ideal. Um, pipe tobacco needs to be a bit drier. If you use any kind of uh, humidification device and you have a hygrometer, uh, for keeping your pipe tobacco, you want to keep it more at 55% for pipe tobacco. Um, when cigars dry out, though, um, it's very hard when they dry out completely. It's yeah. very hard to return them to new condition. And mm -hmm. the reason is because some of the oils leach out and when you lose the oils, you lose the richness of the smoke. Um, with pipe tobacco, if the moisture content is too high, uh, you lose uh, the, the richness of the smoke 
because it's being diluted with steam. And that's why I, I prefer drier tobaccos. Uh, there is a rehumidification method for pipe tobacco that's simple um, and, and does the least damage to the tobacco. And that is to put what you have in a bowl uh, deep enough that the tobacco sits well down below the top. Uh, get a paper towel, moisten it, wring out the excess moisture, and just lay the moist towel over the bowl and let it sit for a half an hour and then reach in and check by feel uh, for the tobacco. You want it to be springy, but you don't want it to clump together when you hold it in your hand. And, it, you know, normally after half an hour to an hour with that treatment, the tobacco's absorbed enough moisture that uh, everything should work out fine. Um, you don't want the moisture in direct contact with the tobacco because that also will accelerate mold growth. And from somebody with a background in cigars, I don't have to tell you, you should use distilled water. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, an, that's a, you know, we'd always have, uh, you know, maybe some customers uh, that come in that, you know, we'd have to educate on, on that process or, you know, with the Boveda packs, uh, talking about them with the customers and helping them understand more about, you know, using them um, or, you know, trying, attempting to rehumidify them or, you know, et cetera. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, for me as a cigar smoker, I was always concerned too, because yes, you can rehumidify the cigar, but you'll never return those oils that have, have lost, you know? Yeah. And I always felt like, you know, you might miss out on so much. And that always kind of concerned me, you know, going to uh, a place where I saw an event and maybe they had the scars out, but they've had the scars out all day, you know, and that could be a little scary uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um, Dale, um, Dale mentioned that uh, he's rehydrating several samples as we speak. Um, the past owner of the tobacco is going to toss them. So uh, he rescued them. Nice. And, then, and uh, David mentions that uh, the method I told you uh, is actually from Greg Peace, JL Peace. Um, he wrote about it in his, uh, his blog. Nice. Yeah. So um, for me, I have, um, as far as my cigars go, I've got about a 200 count humidor sitting off to my left and I use an active humidification system. And as far as tobaccos go, that's what I prefer because uh, at this point, we're having a hard time getting our hands on the low moisture content, uh, Boveda packs. Mm. Um, as I said, you should keep pipe tobacco around 55%. They do make the product. The thing is that it's not targeted for our market specifically. The uh, the fifty five percent Bovita packs are created for use with weed, um, but they'll certainly work just fine if you can get your hands on them. They'll work just fine for tobacco. Sure. The 
what I've done is um, I've got a second active humidification system. And the thing about the humidification devices, the active devices, is that you can set the hygrometer and the, the moisture level cutoff. So you can turn it down. It comes from the factory at 70%, but you do have the ability to reduce the output. And what I'll do is I'll take a bunch of different tobaccos, put them in a, you know, a sterilite uh, tote and put the active humidification device in with all my tins and, and bulk and close that up. And it does a great job of maintaining a proper moisture level. Yeah. And uh, David mentions extremely dry tobacco. If you just spray it with water, we'll lose a lot of the flavor as the water can cause it to swell. It breaks down cell walls. Very good point. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah, you know, that uh, point that David brings up uh, makes me think of, you know, if I've gone to cigar lounges where I've seen them use those, like at the up top of their, like, you know, their humidor system, they'll have a system that just sprays distilled water all down on all the cigars. And I've always kind of felt that sometimes, especially the ones more towards the top shelf, would have less flavor. You know, and whether that's because too much of that distilled water was coming in contact with them and breaking down those cell walls, like David said, uh, that's definitely something to like consider as someone who might be managing their own humidor using that kind of system. Yeah, I, I like those. Um, of course, you know, you're you're now part of an organization that includes the largest retailer of cigars in the world, Cigars International, mm -hmm. and we operate all in the same building. Um, our, our warehouse distribution system is for all of us. It's not just for CI. And, and so we all work together really well. Um, but in if you've been to any of our superstores, um, you know we uh, we have um, a the smallest superstore is in Bethlehem, mm -hmm. but it still has high ceilings, and that's one of the keys to a CI superstore. It, the, the the ceilings are tall enough that they use that internal humidification system, but it's so high up that the that the moisture is so well aerosolized by the right. time it gets down there that it does a really good job of maintaining the cigars and. Um, and uh, the, all the stores, the super stores, are at 70% humidity. Right. So um, working in a CI superstore is a uh, great thing for your laundry because you don't need to iron your clothes. 
you you stand in that 70% humidity long enough and the wrinkles are just going to fall right out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a key point there, Russ. Uh, you know, a lot of stores where I've seen it used, it's very low ceiling. So it's like immediately getting right on top of them, you know, which yes. I would see on sometimes on the top shelf, I'd see lots of mold, you know, and they might try and pass it off as plume here or there, you know, but no. you might, you know, you know better if you, if you can't rub the, you know, that, that mold yep. or plume off, you know, then it's not plume. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. It's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, when before PNC was sold, we were part of a brick and mortar. And when we built our new store, the ceilings were maybe seven and a half feet in the humidor. And uh, we had that kind of system. And there were times where for some reason it would act up and we'd be in there with, um, with plastic to cover some of the cigars so that they didn't get rained on until they finally figured out uh, how to to get uh, a proper spray. The humidification system that they used was not designed for cigars. It was just designed to humidify a room. Mm -hmm. And the, the problem was twofold. Number one, the nozzle was too short. So it was sitting above all the shelves. And it sprayed out and the cigars directly underneath the unit would get some of the overspray, which was not a good idea, obviously. So the solution to that was to get um, some ABS pipe and fit it into the humidifier so that it extended the spray out to the areas where there were no cigars. The second thing that that they did to solve the problem was inside the nozzle, when they put that ABS pipe on to extend it, they took some fine mesh screen and put it over. And then when they put the ABS pipe in there, as the the moisture would pass through that screen, it would break down the droplets in, into a finer mist, and the combination of the two solved the problem. But it, it, that is problematic in most sure, yeah. in most brick and mortars. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? Yeah, we got some some of our uh, commenters here have a trouble dealing with some of that uh, humidity. Uh, it seems as well, you know. <laughs> yep, there's um, that's where two-way systems come into play. Mm -hmm. um, so Bovita packs and any of the um, the crystal humidor uh, humidifiers uh, will do the job. Um, in a situation like that, uh, mainly because they are two-way systems. Well, what it is in, bo in both cases, 
they use propylene glycol, which is a humectant. And um, the idea behind using this product is that if what you're keeping in there has too little humidity, um, it will give off moisture to stabilize around 70%. But if it's too moist, the PG system will absorb moisture. So that's really the, the best way to handle it. Um, if it's really way over the top, uh, I have a recommendation that's cheap and solves a, a, a problem that's ongoing. When you buy a pair of shoes or some other items, they include little pouches of silica gel. And silica gel um, works the opposite as the PG crystals in that they, they absorb moisture. So if you save those packets when you get a new pair of shoes or whatever might need to have stable humidity, uh, just toss one of those packets in your humidor and it'll suck up some of the excess moisture. Um, there's also a product out there called Damprid. Um, for large containers, it works. doesn't doesn't work real well for humidors, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. One of the uh, when I just recently purchased, uh, you know, quite a few pipes. One of the things that I was thinking of was I wanted to make sure that the pipes that I was getting all had different bowl sizes, different shapes. Um, you know, some were straight, some were bent, you know, getting a lot of different designs. And I was wondering if there are certain shapes, certain designs that work better for certain ways that certain tobaccos smoke. Very good point. Um, one of the things you got to take into consideration is um, how hot and fast the tobacco burns. Uh, Virginias tend to burn faster and hotter for two reasons. Uh, Virginia leaves tend to be very thin, so that's going to make them burn faster. And also, Virginias are the opposite of cigar tobacco or burley. Um, burley and cigar tobacco have a lot of oils uh, and don't have a tremendous amount of sugars. Virginia is just the opposite. It's got a lot of sugar um, and very little oil. It produces a thin smoke, which is a problem for new. Sorry, had to sneeze. Bless you. Thank you. Um, so, um, with Virginias, they tend to burn hot and fast. And one way to do that is to use, thank you, Dale. Um, you have to use a pipe that's going to restrict airflow. So for Virginias, 
uh, I've dedicated a number of pipes that have a chamber that's smaller than three quarters of an inch in diameter. Uh, that restricts enough airflow that it, it will burn uh, more temperately. Uh, but on top of that, smoking uh, those tobaccos in a smaller bowl also kind of saves your tongue. You know, you don't have as long a smoke, so you're not subjecting yourself to that higher heat for as long. Then you have tobaccos that are hard to keep lit. Uh, some Latakia blends that have a lot of Latakia um, burn very slowly because Latakia is fire cured. So it's hung in a, in a barn or a hut and they use a green fire on the floor and the smoke saturates the tobacco until it turns black. Well, that smoke layer on the outside acts like insulation. So Latakia burns very slowly. And if it has a lot of Latakia in it, those blends can go out pretty easily. Uh, also, things like Black Cavendish, which are very moist, uh, are hard to keep lit. And... <clears throat> So there, you want to move to a pipe with a chamber larger than three-quarters of an inch because the more open chamber allows for more airflow. That helps keep the, the pipe lit more easily. Um, as far as bent versus straight goes, that's more a matter of how you smoke the pipe. If you... Um, tend to puff and hold your pipe. It really doesn't matter whether you smoke a bender or straight. Um, but if you clench or hold the pipe in your mouth a lot, then bent makes more sense from a physical viewpoint. It reduces the pull uh, on your teeth because when you get the, the mass of the chamber up higher, it's exerting more pressure. When it's down here, it, it exerts less pressure, and so it's easier to keep it stable in your, in your jaw. Um, that said, I mean, you know, if you get something like one of the new C'est La Vie Gracieux pipes, or if you get uh, the new Norman Rockwell pipe when it comes out, they're very light. So if you want to clench one of those pipes, even though they're straight, it's not a big deal. Okay, thank you. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> we got quite a couple of people smoking, smoking along. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I swear I'm going to get things set up so I can do this outside. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I didn't have a lease with a no smoking clause in it, it'd be a different story. Sure. Um, Dale smoking an unusual tobacco. Uh, I, uh, one that I. I 
I grab a bowl of every so often just because I think it's neat. Um, and that's Peter Stokeby Cube Cut. The reason um, it's interesting because it is a cube cut. And a cube cut is made by um, compressing the tobacco and then using a machine to cut it into small cubes. Some of the machines really don't make cubes. They make nuggets. They, they look like grape nuts. Uh, Peter Stokeby Cube Cut, though, are little cubes. And what makes it different is normally Cube Cut is made of burly. Uh, Peter Stokeby Cube Cut is, um, is very much uh, a Virginia burly uh, hybrid. And then it's compressed and cut. And it has a unique combination of a tea-like note and uh, white pepper, but just a little bit, not not a, a lot of white pepper. Uh, and in that way, it reminds me a lot of a number of mellower uh, Connecticut shade-wrapped cigars, where you get that, that lighter note, but there's just that little backbone of spice that uh, that creates a nice balance and the peter stokeby cube cut is like that although it doesn't have a flavor as strong as a connecticut cigar uh it's very mellow but it burns really slowly and it's easiest type of tobacco to pack uh basically all you do with a cube cut is just drop it down in the chamber give it a light tamp and light it up very very easy to work with you may have the number of relights but yeah hey that's okay yep yeah one of the things that i was always searching for when i was uh, smoking cigars you know and of course i still am is i'm always searching for unique flavors or something unique about that blend and you bring up how that's a quite a unique one i guess my question to you is what is maybe the most unique pipe tobacco that you've ever you think you've ever smoked if you can think of it wow there's there's a number of really unique tobaccos out there a lot of them are in the aromatic category and they're they're not tobaccos i smoke a lot of i i do smoke them but uh, very much occasionally um Probably the most unique to me hmm. Some tobaccos are unique because they contain unique components and um, So in that case like the new series that Sutliff came out with uh, pipe force um, Those tobaccos are unique because they've done things to tobaccos that you normally wouldn't do. Um, they've taken uh, Rustica, which is a very strong tobacco, um, used in uh, Drew Estate's Nica Rustica, 
Uh, it's basically a wild-grown tobacco, but uh, much stronger than most tobaccos. Uh, and they stoved that tobacco, darkened it with heat. And they did the same thing to Caterini Orientals. Those are quite unique because of that. Although I did a stoved Oriental blend many years ago, I had to stop making it because it was basically a pain in the butt stoving the Orientals. I had to use an oven to do it because I didn't have manufacturing equipment. And the first time I did it, when I took the bowl out of the oven, I nearly coughed up the lung because the fumes coming off the tobacco, even though they, they the tobacco wasn't burning, it gave off enough of fumes that it, it choked me. Uh, so those are unique, but I, I think probably the m most unique tobacco is the one that they let me make uh, and put my name on it, and that's Firestorm. Um, they wanted to take advantage of my reputation, whether that's a good thing or not, up to interpretation. Uh, but they wanted to take advantage of that, so they wanted me to create a series of tobaccos um, that were basically, you know, taking the governor off my engine. Uh, I always tried to keep everything in a narrow category to appeal to the broadest range of people. And here they said, just do what you want to do. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, whatever you come up with will sell eventually. If, if it sells really slowly, when it sells out, we don't make any more. Uh, so I said, okay. And the first blend I came up with was Firestorm. So I look back at, at the time, what had been my most successful blend. And that was Anniversary Cake from the Hearth and Home series which uses a uniquely sweet Virginia along with Perique and then pressed into a crumble cake. And so what I did for Firestorm was I took the same Virginias, but I reduced the amount. Um, in in uh, Anniversary Cake, it's 85% of the Virginias, it's 15% per week. Uh, with Firestorm, I reduced the Virginias and increased the Perique to 25%. And then the remaining balance of the tobacco is dark-fired Kentucky. And I did this mostly just to see what the hell would happen. So I packed a bowl. One thing I knew that was going to be a positive is that with the higher Perique content, it was going to burn slower. It wasn't going to be as hot a smoke. So that was an advantage there. And so I, I put it together and I, I'm smoking the bowl and I went nice and, and easy with it. And I got maybe a quarter of the way through the bowl. And out of nowhere, 
I get hit with cinnamon. No top dressing. There, there's no flavoring added to this tobacco. But the synergy of the three tobaccos created a flavor that is definitely reminiscent of cinnamon. More of a baking cinnamon, not the, you know, hot tamales cinnamon. Yeah. Uh, some people would say atomic fireballs, but living in Bethlehem with the manufacturer of hot tamales only about two miles from my house, you know, I have to, I have to use that reference. Uh, it's not that hot cinnamon. It's got that, that warm baking uh, cinnamon, cinnamon roll type flavor. Um, and it builds to a crescendo throughout. So when you get to the bottom, you get this much more intense, deeper flavor with uh, dark dried fruit. Um, and so because it changes so much and does things that you don't expect, I think Firestorm is probably the most unique blend I can come up with. Okay. By the way, if you if you heard it in the background, that was uh, Spike the Wonder Dog. <laughs> He's trying to make an appearance too, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, I I've had him on one time. It lasted about fifteen seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, we call him Spike the Wonder Dog because he's so small. We wonder if he's a dog. He's he's only six pounds, and he's wow. not he's not getting any heavier. And about five and a half pounds is fur. Yeah, yeah, right. Huh. Um, Sean said he saw a unique looking tobacco way back from Indonesia, I believe it was, but no one can figure out getting it into the country. Packed in bamboo. Hold on a second. Oh, what's he going to find? My friends. Welcome to Tambalaka. Indonesian tobacco. Very dense. Packed in bamboo. You have to pull it apart and rehumidify it. Uh... It's very intense, uh, incredibly flavorful, and you smoke it slow or when you go to stand up, the floor is going to move on you. Um, well, thank you for the compliment, Sean. Um, try Firestorm if you like anniversary cake. I think you'll enjoy it. Dale says sounds Christmas-ish. Um, yeah, I I do have that uh, that tambalaka. Uh, I have not opened this package because here here are the directions: uh, take off all packing, including the handmade cord, from the amount you want to steam and cut. Place a steamer or colander over a boiling pot of water and cover steam for about 10 minutes or until leaves begin to pull apart from the stick. 
uh, take care as it will be hot. So best to set on a cool countertop and then begin to separate the leaves into individual leaves as when they were rolled up five years ago. I have had this for at least eight. So it's 13 years. Allow the leaves to cool on the countertop in a pile. Take the individual leaves or groups of leaves and cut as desired by using scissors or knife. Can also use a blender or chopper if a very fine consistency is desired. I have a mini food processor that I use just for doing that. If I have tobaccos that are cut too large for my liking, toss them in there, pulse them a few times, chops them right up. Um, place the newly cut pipe tobacco into a Ziploc bag to maintain the moisture and freshness. So that's Tambalaka, my friends. So, got anything else before we wrap up? Um, no, I think that, uh, you know, anything else, we can definitely chat again sometime. The oh, more yeah. that I kind of get used to pipe smoking and become more of a, you know, an educated pipe smoker here, we can catch up and see how much progress I've made. Yeah, and, and this is really uh, neat for me, too, because with the amount of experience I've got with uh, pipes and pipe tobacco, um, you know, the, the, uh, the comment that, that people sometimes make about a veteran is, um, it was about a baseball manager. I think they were talking about Casey Stengel and it may have been Mickey Mantle that, that made the quote. He said, he's he he knows more uh, or he's forgotten more about baseball than most people will ever know that's the problem he's forgotten most of it right so when i'm talking to somebody with a different perspective it's great because you make me think about things that to me they're they're just pieces of knowledge floating around and uh, all of a sudden they need it now so uh this this worked out really well i think this is great i think uh, it's it's obvious from the comments people are responding well to it so i'm glad we're doing this and and doing it on a regular basis and yes i will try to arrange it so that i can do this where i can smoke um, and maybe what we'll do is the next time we do this, I'll either figure out a way that I can do it outside, or maybe I'll go over to our old building at, at Smellman Drive and uh, go in and use the studio where I can actually smoke. Sure, I think that'd be a great idea. And uh, and if you happen to be in Bethlehem on a Thursday, we can always go over and do it at Spillman together. And yeah, I think I think that'd be a great idea. We don't we don't have to do the split screen here, but yeah, you know, you really you really think about it. Ten years ago, the technology to pull something like this off existed but 
what it would cost you is would would have been crazy. Yeah. And and today the the technology is there and it's pretty damn cheap. So um, uh, so either way we do this, I'm I'm glad we did it. Uh, Sean enjoyed it, um, and and David says he's looking forward to a show with both of us. And Buck says this is great for those who are too timid to ask, thinking it's a dumb question. And of course, I'll refer back to another old saying: there are no stupid questions, only stupid answers. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I really, uh, there are no dumb questions. If you have a question, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. You know? And and whether it may be obvious to other people, it's not obvious to you. So if you got a question, ask the question. Yeah, so, it'll be nice, you know, if we're able to both do it in person together. You know, I'll definitely make sure to try, make that attempt to. That way, uh, you know, as I'm packing my pipe, as I'm lighting it, you know, you can uh, kind of help me along the way. I think, okay. If there was something that I was, I've become, you know, formed as a habit that was incorrect in any way, you know, you'll be able to point it out to me and fix it right there. I'll be on my way, you know. <laughs> I um, I have a little uh, trick um, for people who um, have inconsistent issues with packing the pipe. Mm-hmm. And this one sounds a little odd, but uh, it works pretty well. Uh, Take a a pen or a pencil and uh, drop the point down into the bottom of the chamber and hold it. And then start packing the tobacco around the pen or pencil and uh, pack it right up to the top and pack it like you normally would. And then when you get to the point where the chamber is full, slowly remove the pen or pencil and start pressing the tobacco in from the edges toward the center. And what this does is always make sure that the center of the chamber is more lightly packed than around the perimeter. And that gives you a more consistent burn and uh, will help you uh, smoke with fewer relights. But that's, that's a little trick. After a while, you can, you can do it without even using the pencil or pen. Okay, but, cool. Yeah, I'll give that a try. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a neat little idea. When yeah. I first did it, I did it with, with a pen. And then it got to a point where I got a technique down where I could use the pick from my check tool uh, because I, I got the feel for it. And then later on, it got to the point where I could pack the pipe without it and, and get the same results. Anyway, yeah. that was great. Thank you so much, Kane, for uh, hey. doing this. And... Um, you know, we, we didn't even get into uh, the vital uh, aspect of what you do um, because you're the one who uh, researches what our deals should be. Huh. And then you, uh, you write the copy and uh, put it into the system 
to be released. And uh, that's, that's really important because that means you also have to set up the deals, uh, which is, th that's, that can be very complicated, especially when we do something like a build your own sampler. Sure. They're very complex uh, on the back end. And so uh, that's, that's also something that you have to do. Well, uh, before you came on board, we were all kind of sharing the tasks. I'd write the copy. Uh, Caitlin would take care of uh, getting it into the system, and mm -hmm. she would work on, on the deals and all. It, it, it was uh, a crazy four or five months. Uh, now that you're on board, it's right, and you picked it up super quick. Thank you. Um, and... Uh, Dale, as far as butternut burley goes, it's just a matter of having them build the components that go into it. Um, that should happen shortly, so it should be back quickly. And um, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Um, number one, uh, if you're watching this on delay, which the vast majority of people do, um, you know, we, we've got seven people live right now, but uh, when we get done with the week, our typical count is somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 views, which by some standards isn't very much, but for something like this is pretty robust. Um, and so... A lot of people want to comment, but they don't think because they're watching it on delay that it works. No, comments work. Go ahead. Put your comments or questions in. I'll see them through the week and, and we'll respond. And, uh, and of course, now um, our social media team uh, rips the audio uh, from our live stream here and then uh, puts it together as a podcast called PNC's Talking Tobacco. It's on Apple Music. It's also on Spotify and a number of other places that that carry podcasts. So you can listen to this in the car or on your smart speaker, your phone. Uh, you have no excuse anymore for not listening. So, anyway, that that's enough uh, for me. I, I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com. Kane? I'm Kane from PipesAndCigars.com. It's been an honor and a privilege to be here with Russ. <laughs> Thanks an awful lot, and thank you all for watching. Take care. Thank you, guys.